This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hi folks, I'm Kieran Maguire from the Price of Football podcast. You're listening to every step along the way and enjoy every second of it. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to the Every Step Along the Way podcast. I'm very much back. I hope you haven't missed me too much. Uh, so unfortunately, we are recording this after yet another away loss, this time to Norwich. Now, uh, naturally, we'll get on into all the game and, you know, obviously we'll look ahead to Huddersfield on Wednesday. But before that, uh, Dan, I know it's probably uh, strange having your, your main man back, uh, but how's things been? Mate? Ben didn't do too much of a good job, did he? He, he did a grand job chatting away for, for two hours. We already did a grand, uh, a good job, didn't we? In your absence, but you're back, so we're going to be. This will be 25 minutes longer, I believe you said. Uh, yeah, well, you're right. Ben does do a good job, um, but uh, yeah, it's good, good to be back. I don't really like missing them, but uh, needs most. The little man went for his operation. He's all good. It's uh, good recovery. He's still a bit numb and uh, and all that business, but uh, he'll be fine in a, in a few days. So. Um, yeah, I mean, speaking of numb, I think most Stoke fans coming back from Norwich are going to feel quite numb about that. Uh, let's be honest, it's a long, long way to go when you haven't seen your team win or even score, never mind anything else. I guess what I wanted to try and kind of look at really, I mean, I haven't seen all the game. I know you saw uh, a good chunk of it by the looks of things. Um, now, from what I've been looking at and speaking to a few people, it wasn't kind of, I wouldn't say a game of two halves as such. Uh, I think, you know, we were always in the game, but from the sounds of things, Dan, we kind of lacked a bit of a cutting edge, um, I think, is kind of the, the gist I've got from that. Would you say that's quite accurate? Yeah, to be fair, I think I think that's pretty much spot on. First off, they were far the better side, deserved to go in in, in front and uh, into the break in the lead. And then second off, I think we were very much the better side in the second half. I think Norwich um, encountered a different Stoke side after the break. I think there was a few tweaks tactically that were done. Um, we were getting we were getting involved. We were getting into them, different ways of attacking. But I think what happened was in that final third, when the hard the hardest thing to do in football is score a goal. That's why strikers get paid more than anybody else. Uh, that's why your creative players are, are lauded by the fans because that is. The, the most difficult part of the game 
And when you've got a new side, as we have put together, when it comes to that final third and everything's got to be, you know, you've got your passes and all that, you've got to be perfect. You've got to know where where player A, you know, if you've got the ball and your, your, your teammates uh, running off you, you, you've got to know where he wants it. Uh, does he want it playing into his feet? Does he want it playing in front of him? Um, is he going to run around the back of you? Is he likely to stop and give you an option on the inside? And these are the things where it's breaking down at the minute. And I think they'll just come with time. Um, but when we get there, I think we're going to have a really, we've got a really good promising squad. Um, but like I say, they've got a lot of players. And these are players, they aren't, they aren't championship ready players. This is something new to us as a fan base as well. Uh, been a long time since we've had a lot of foreign players come in. Just got to be patient. The thing of football fans, we all know, we all say before the season starts, everyone says, oh, we're going to be patient. Yeah, we've got to give them time. We've got to give them games. You know, it's going to be a while for the gel. And then three defeats later, sat the manager, get rid of them all. They're all crap. Well, what, what, we're losing again. Oh, they're all sending back. It's, it's all, it's, we just need chill. Realise that this is a process. It's going to take a while. Things just need to build. They need to gel. It has to. We have to take the rough with the smooth. Well, what do you say to the people, though, Dan, who say, well, you know, I am being patient. I'm not seeing any improvement. I'm not seeing jelling that, that we've what we've all been talking about. What do you say to the people who have said that? Because I've seen a few you know, comments on Twitter to say that, you know, they don't see any improvement from last season. I uh, you know they still aren't happy with how things are. I mean, what what do you say to them? I mean, I have they got a point? Of course you haven't seen anything because because we've signed 18 players from every corner of the globe with no experience playing this division and we've chucked them all into the pot together. But, it, you know, uh, Bay, it was his first start today. He played 20 minutes of in, in English football before. Chamadeo, uh, Chamadou, um, I think is the, the one people are going with. Um Made his debut for us today. He's never played anything other than League Two football. Um, Berger, yeah, he's come from a high standard ball, but he doesn't know the English game, and it takes time to adapt. It's a very different way to the European style. Um, yeah, we're missing Vidigal. Vidigal's the one who hit the ground running. Uh, the ones who we brought in, like say May and, and Vidigal, they are guys who, who started the season, had a little bit of time to better, and they're injured. Haksabanovic, no, yeah, he's played for Celtic, but he's never played the Championship. It's his first game for Stoke today. So, you've got Gooch playing left-back today. We've got Larice playing right-back. Again, what was this, third game, third start? Of course, they're not, they're not of any article. But there is, there is, yeah, we haven't, we've gone to Norwich. Let's be honest, Norwich are the top scorers in this division, right? And we've lost 1-0. We have had chances. We could, you know, we, we, it's not as if, you know, we haven't tested goalkeeper and that seems to be the main issue for me with this squad at the minute. We're not getting shots on target. We're getting efforts. We're getting into the right positions. It's the final third is falling apart. But as I explained before, that's where your cohesion as a unit really comes in, comes in to, to benefit you when you know each other's games. When you don't struggle, you can't have the, you haven't got the opportunity to take that half a second or a second delay to find, to realise and wait for your, your teammate to do something, you have to know subconsciously, you um, subliminally, sorry, 
know what he's going to do and, and the link up and that will come, like I say, come with time. There's not going to, you're not going to get it. It's patience. The, the, if you people think they've been patient so far, this isn't patience. We've only played half a dozen matches and, and, and yeah, we were still signing players right up until deadline day, bringing people in again, new into the country, new into the division. It's, I think what's done that you do, Dan, is we, we started the season really strongly, didn't we? You know, we saw some, you know, we saw 6 1, we saw 4 1, you know, we'd beaten Watford. And I think it's strange. I think had we not had a relatively decent start, I don't think people would have been all that demanding, shall we say. I, th- I think it would have been, oh, we're still finding a feat as we are, you know, in large sense, seen still now. But I think had we not had that good start, I think it would have been a different um, feel around the, the kind of fan base, I think. I think that's the that's the gut feeling that I get. Uh, we've seen what this team can do, you know, when they do gel and when there is consistency. And, you know, you mentioned Vidigal, Dan. I mean, yeah, it, it's a big loss, but we can't, we can't keep pinning our hopes on someone who's played four games in English football or however many it's been. Like we need more than one player in this team, and that may take time for those players to emerge. But um, if we're going to pin everything on Vidigal, like Spurs did with Kane, like it, when that player eventually goes out, as we're seeing now, you need other people to step up. And in time, it, maybe that will be the case. No, I think you know, we have to remember as well. Vidigal started really well here, but you've got a very small sample size there. He's he's played what four games, five games, scored four goals, um, all of them at home as well. And you know, he, he, you've got to be careful. We pay four hundred thousand pounds for him, so you know you've got to be careful that you're not putting too much pressure on him, expecting this. It may just be a purple patch with him. You never know. I mean, he's showing great skills, it's great um, technique and his finishing and all that, you know, so the signs are promising that he can carry this on to a certain degree, but I'm not, you know, but my point I was making with Vidigal, sorry, and, and Ryan May, right, my, was that they were the ones who were in the building early, so they had the most time to adapt and train and, and, and get build relationships up with the players and then them two are the ones who have been injured so we've sort of yeah we we are playing even more players now who've come in later into the side later into the into the club and and so we're still not yet building up with them players any kind of relationships and it's going to be it's one of those things you can only really do on the pitch you can do all the training groundwork you want but it's only in match situations really that you'll that you'll get that you know that real um uh, link up play and stuff and understanding between you know players one and two a and b so what we're saying here it's not a lack of cutting edge or lack of quality per se it's a it's a lack of cohesion a you know lack of understanding it's kind of what you gain at and i mean I one, so, yeah. one thing one player i wanted to bring up dan and um because we backed him a lot on this podcast tyrese campbell now anyone who's listened to this podcast more than five minutes knows that we have back Tyrese um, and you know, I still like Tyrese Campbell now he's been accused of being lazy um, you know missing guilt had chances again today uh, you know Preston he spurned God knows how many the guy wouldn't have scored if he was out there for three years like it was just one of them games now I guess my question to you Dan is is it about time that we dropped Tyrese Campbell because 
arguably you can say he isn't really contributing at the minute. People are saying he's slowing the game down. You know, he's struggling to impact the game. He's not scoring goals, obviously, really yet. Um, so is it time that he gets dropped for somebody else? I mean, if everybody was fit, do you think he'd be playing, I suppose, is another question. Well, that's the question, isn't it? It's, it's not so much what do you, you know, um, do you drop him? It's who are you going to bring in? At the minute, I suppose, what would you do? I mean, Bay didn't have a great game today, did he? He's still very young, very raw. He showed that maybe the bench is the best option for him at the minute. But you say that, though, Dan, but other people will say, well, Tyrese hasn't been very good, so why do we keep trusting him? Why not give well, Bay a chance to win his, in his place? So I would say Haksavanovic, for me, played very well today when he came on. He looked like somebody who influenced the game. There was a ball he put in that Ben Wilmot nearly touched at the back post. It was an absolutely fantastic delivery from out wide. Um, sort of a set piece. You know, showed his real quality. Um, I think he's one that he really showed like today when he came on. Like I said, he, he could or probably should be starting against Huddersfield. Um, I think he earned that. And like I said, if he's taken a one, it only needs uh, it only needs to return to form and fitness of a Vidigal or a May, and then the pressure really is on um, and on Tyrese. For me, I think at the minute he looks a bit. He, I don't know if he looks sort of lacking in confidence. Um, to be honest, like I wanted to do was a shot he had at the start of the second half. I thought he got really involved in the first sort of fifteen twenty minutes of the second half. You know, he was taking people on. He was you know, getting to the byline, pulling it back for people, and he just wasn't falling to a stout shirt. I know he missed that chance in the first half, and he definitely wasn't anonymous. Um, he was getting involved. He just again was one of them days he wasn't sort of falling, but. I, I do wonder, there was a, like I say, a shot at the start of the second half and he had it and he got blocked and he went and he went for take shot and I, I just didn't feel confident in him myself that he was going mean, like I we, we, as, as we all know, listeners to this podcast, we love Tyrese Campbell, but I just didn't feel that he was going to you know, really put his foot through it and, and, and you know, get anything behind it and that happened, he didn't and then the, and they got blocked. And I do wonder whether, at the minute, is he is he lacking a bit of confidence since since he had that injury? Because pre-season he was flying once he was taking scoring goals for fun, taking people on. Um, I know when we saw him, he looked he looked as fit as I've seen him for a long time. And then, you know, Sod's Law is is week before the season he picks up an injury in training, and, and he's out for a few weeks. And he, all that momentum he's built up in pre-season seems to have gone and disappeared. Um, his contract situation, is he putting too much pressure on himself, trying to impress, um, obviously trying to get himself a better new deal, whether that's with us or, or looking you know, somewhere else. Is he thinking this is his opportunity to progress his career in that respect and he's, he's putting too much on himself? Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure, but like I say, something's just not right clicking right now. Whether... A few games off the bench just lets him um, refine that sort of fire or or focus. I don't know, but uh, it's certainly an option if we can get other options to come in. Yeah, okay, no, fair enough. I think I just I saw a number of comments about Tyrese. I thought it's only fair that I uh, posed the tricky question to you, so that's fine. Um, now another striker who's coming for a bit of criticism, Dan uh, Wesley. So. 
I think for for a lot of people, I think when they see him play, uh, I think obviously they they see the fact that he's there to try and bring other people into play. You know, he's seen as that target man. I personally think had Vidigal been fit and Maie been fit, then he would have hundred percent been dropped uh, for for either either of them, if not both of them, and then potentially even have had Tyrese on the right hand side instead of the left. Um, is is Wesley anything other than a plan B for us down when everyone's fit? Because I think. He's not going to be a goal scorer, but I think he, he's probably a better player to come on for, you know, 10, 15 minutes just to hold the ball up, you know, get us, just get us up the pitch. And I think when we're, the way that we play and the players around us, we need pace up there. And Wesley, for me, just slows it down too much. Yeah, I think it's going to be like a horses for courses kind of scenario into where you've got players that will suit certain games. Like, if we are planning on sitting deep in getting certain games, um, keeping it tight, keeping it compact, and then sort of springing forward on the opposition and attacking with pace and direct sort of real counter-attacking football, then you don't really want to include Wesley, do you? You'd want somebody, um, you'd probably then go with, uh, I don't know, like uh, probably Campbell, Vidigal and uh, Mai would probably be your three. Uh, but there are going to be other games where you're going to want a focal point. You're going to want somebody who can, who you are, especially away from home, where you are under the cosh. You are expecting, sorry, to be under the cosh, but you want somebody who can maybe bring others into play and just give you that sort of relief where they'll hold the ball for a few seconds and let you get get yourself up the pitch and relieve a bit of pressure. Maybe even a game like like Huddersfield on, on you know this midweek that's going to come up in a few days' time. Um, a game like that where you 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 could possibly be put under a bit of pressure, like I say, but you don't you don't really want to be sitting deep and, and springing out. You want to be on the front foot a bit more. So allowing Wesley to sort of like I say hold that ball a few seconds and just gives you the opportunity to get out the pitch and then dictate the game from there. That could be those could be the games he plays, and then again, like I say, the week after it might be a completely different match, and you take him back out. Then I think he is going to be a, a player for certain matches. But then, like you say, off the bench, very good option to have because he's something different, and he can change the style. If something's not working, you can try a different approach. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Except he gives he gives us options. I just don't think he's the he's, he's the A option um, for the vast majority of games. But yeah, fair enough. No, um, at home as well. At home, where you want to be dictating the play, I don't. Yeah, don't think he's the man. I think um, from what he's shown so far, he's not not been massively, but not massively um, influential. But I think he's shown enough in that Ryan Mai is real man about um, to. Be especially at home, he would be far more um, better suited to games for me. And, and an obvious omission from today, Dan, as well, was obviously Henry. Uh, as we found out, that was through injury, which is hardly unexpected. I don't think he would have been dropped completely out of the squad. Uh, I would still, however, say that had he been fit, I think I still would have dropped him, if I'm honest with you. Uh, I don't know if I would have dropped him for Lloris, uh, personally, which obviously kind of begs the question on which way he would go. I mean, I would have gone maybe for Chamadeo, uh, to be honest, to, to give him his debut, because I do think Henry's struggled the last few games. He got, as I said, wiped out against Watford, um, and he hasn't been great, to be honest with you, other than that. Um, so, 
obviously coming in was Larice. I think it's very obvious that the guy is not a right back. Uh, I understand he's been asked to do a job there, and of course he's going to do his best. Um, but I'm I'm very keen to see how Chamadeo does, uh, whether it's Henry or Chamadeo who actually are going to be the the kind of go to number one, if you like, because. Um, yeah, Larice is clearly a right-sided midfielder, not a right back for me. Or he's I mean, maybe a right wing back, but we're not, we're not exactly uh, going to play uh, that wing back formation, are we? No, I think um, what we may have fallen into the trap of is we've got an attacker who can play right wing back. Um, I think maybe we've seen oh, a right wing back; he can then play right back, and it's like well, actually he's an. He's technically an attacker that can play. It's like playing Jacob Brown at right back. You wouldn't, you wouldn't really have done that at right wing back. You could do that, but right back, probably not. Like Jerry, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have put in there. I think that's the situation we've we've sort of found ourselves in. Now we've got Gooch, we've got Chamadou. Um, obviously, we've already got Henry as well. Once Stevens is fit as well. And back in at left back, I think you won't see him at right back. But he's um, again, he's going to be a player. I think we we don't. You're not going to see him every match, but I think you're going to be games where you need somebody to be pressing and pressing high, um, and you need plenty of energy. I think that then then you'll then you'll see him in games. Um, one problem we might have is I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure he's a game changer if he comes off the bench. Do you know what I mean? So, so as an attacker, uh, if he's not starting, I don't know how much game time he's going to see. Um, when when the manager looks at the bench, I'm, and you'll probably be seeing other options. If he if he wants a goal, will probably be more, probably be more uh, at the forethought of his mind. Yeah, I think he'll come on as just some fresh legs, um, more more than anything else, and uh, hoping yeah. to contribute. But they're not going to be relying on him, which is yeah, which is fine. You've got to you've got to have the the runners. We've we've seen that the likes of Jacob Brown and Cohen past. Um, now I want just to pull up a, a couple of players. Uh, and by the way, uh, Tom should be joining us shortly. He's travelled back from Norwich. He's only going to join us for ten minutes, but I believe he wasn't too impressed. Um, so I think it'd be great to uh, see what he thinks anyway. But we'll come back to to Tom um, in a second. Now uh, Haksabavanich, I'm going to get this Haksabanovich. There we go. Uh, <laughs> looked uh, really bright when he came on, Dan. Um, and you know he's someone that you picked out. I think earlier on. Uh, that you were talking. Now, he obviously had a, a really bright moment when he came on. I think if I remember, he played it back to Johnson. Obviously, the cutback for uh, Gale, who, <laughs> typical Dwight Gale, fluffed his lines from, uh, you know, a few yards out. Now, I wanted, we've, we've talked about youth on this podcast a lot. Surely getting someone on like Nathan Lowe is better than an aging confidence hit Dwight Gale, wouldn't you say? Um. Yeah, I mean Nathan, Nathan Lowe last season and the, the the couple of cameo appearances that he did manage, he put himself about, didn't he? And he didn't look uh, overawed physically, or and so you know that that sort of box is ticked for him then. Um, so yeah, I think if I wouldn't have been against him coming on instead of Gale, I think at this point though the managers obviously looking at Gale and thinking. You know, he's still, he's still, uh, you know, he's, he's he's on earning a lot, sort of a lot more money than though he's trying to justify the wage. You can't send him anywhere else, kind of thing. Um, if he can get Gale going, he could be one of them. The manager might think, you know, one goal might just set him off. 
he could be, a, you know, if he gets him four, five, six goals off the bench, um, then yeah, yeah, that's uh, that, that's 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 a good good return for a, for a substitute during the season. Um, but like you said, there was that one the other week. He just took off his toe. Um, it was just, you know, just about tapping into an open net, and he got took off his toe. There's the the one um, today where he's he's got a chance of just nicking a point right at the end, and just completely miskicks the ball. He, he's not. He's another one. Just seems to be lacking in confidence, and if that carries on, then the manager as the season goes on, it's probably going to be turning more to somebody like Nathan Lowe because he's thinking, well, this isn't working. I may as well send on somebody who's he's going to go on there, run himself into the ground and he's going to be helping him develop, whereas, like I say, Gale's coming the other end of his career. The more minutes, if, he, if he's going to do that and he's not going to be contributing, he may as well put Lowe on because at least Lowe's going to be growing and developing into a better footballer by having the experience. Well, that, that's what baffled me. I mean, Luke, Dwight Gale's been a great player in the past. He certainly hasn't been for Stoke. I just don't see the point of taking Nathan Lowe just to leave him sitting on a bench. You know, he's, he's going to be hungry. He's going to want to prove a point. Gale had his chance last season, um, and he still couldn't find his form. So for me, Gale shouldn't be anywhere near this club. I'd rather have a Nathan Lowe coming on and trying, and even coming on and failing, you know, not being able to get in the game a couple of times. He will learn far more than that than sitting on a bench on his way to Norwich. So I just think it was ridiculous. But um, either way, I wanted to bring in Tom. So, uh, Tom, you've just been on probably a very depressing uh, drive home, mate. And I appreciate that I've pulled you into this without any heads up. So um, hopefully your your uh, phone quality is not going to be too bad. But um, how was your trip back, mate? Everything okay? Yeah, it was uh, a long trip back. Didn't help with the results, but yeah, it was very, very quiet on the coach, I'm not going to lie. So, mate, talk to us. What what was your kind of assessment of the game uh, overall? Do you think it was a game that we... We could have got something out of. Uh, I mean, you. I saw some of your messages, and you sound pretty um, furious. If I'm honest with you, it's just it's just frustration. Um, it's it was pretty much the same as the Preston game. I don't think we looked as good, but we had the opportunities, and again, they're just not being taken. Um, I actually spoke to some Norwich fans after, as we were walking back up to the coach, and he said. Both teams today didn't look good at all, um, but he was quite shocked that we didn't punish them uh, with some of the opportunities that we had. But yeah, just I just don't know where goals coming from in this current squad with Vidal and May being out. I just I can't see where he was going to score. Well, who 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 kind of let you down then? So you know you talk about you're not sure who's going to score goals for us. I mean I'm assuming you don't think the formation was wrong, but. Dan was mentioning earlier on before you joined about, you know, the fact that there's no kind of cohesion, uh, which is kind of having an impact on obviously our chances and our goals. Um, do you think that's all it is? Do you think there's any players who aren't trying? I mean, Tyrese has been criticised tonight again. Um, do you think that Tyrese is maybe in need of being dropped and rested for a bit? Yeah, I had a, I had a quite a big rant about Tyrese in all honesty. Um, I've, I've always stuck by him and when he's good, he he's a game changer. Um, but these last two performances, I mean, if you thought he was bad against Preston, you should have seen him today. He was absolutely terrible. Um, that one chance he had, it's one of them. 
for me, you've got to at least hit the target there, if not score. And he just put it wide and he got moved up into the middle when Wes came off and they were playing the long ball still, which made no sense to me. But his feet never left the ground. He just stood there and watched it go over his head. It was just a lack of effort. And I said in the group chat, and I firmly believe, I don't think he wants to be here from what I've seen today. He just looked fed up and looked like he couldn't be bothered. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Dan, what do you think about what Tom said there? Do you think Tyrese can't be bothered? And I, I, I don't like to think that any footballer, as much as it may appear to me, is ever sort of, you know, I think there's very few that will sort of down tools and and just sort of mope around, not not trying. I think he, I say, the tactics there don't don't play to his strengths, do they? There's no point lumping the ball up um, to his head. He will admit himself and has done to ourselves that heading is the the least, um, you know, the prominent part of his game. Uh, he, he, that's he, not that he doesn't work out, that he doesn't like try to think. He just that's the weak, you know, the weak part of his game is heading. So why you would keep lumping the ball to his head, I do not know. As as a, as a team, why why do they why yeah why, why why do they think that's the best option, especially when you've got what Haksabanovic and um, who else would have been on the other side at that point? It would have been was Johnson further forward? Yeah, I'm trying to think now. I think I think Johnson was kind of in and out, but he he, he was right at the times, yeah. Yeah, because obviously Wesley had come off, and that's when Campbell was inside, and the Bay had come off. Um, Aksibanovic had come on then. Oh, I don't know was that many substitutions. Yeah, the, <laughs> the tunnel, he was so quiet as well. We couldn't even tell who was coming on and who was going off, in all honesty. Um, Right, so yeah, so Johnson came on um, for Wesley, Haksabanovic came on for Bay, Shamadeo came on for Larice. So until Gale came on with the last couple of minutes, Campbell was in the middle. Um, and then we had sort of Berger, Loren, Pearson, and Johnson. So I imagine Johnson sort of, I mean, it just shows that there, there was no real, I mean, I've watched that second half and I can't tell you playing right wing for half of it. Um, so that just sort of says, doesn't it? But when people are saying about Campbell being dropped, we've just said that, you know, we, we've ended up with, I mean, I joked about it on the preview pod that we'd end up with Daniel Johnson on the wing and then there you go. So <laughs> it's not a case of dropping him. It's like, at the minute, until people get back fit, and I'm not sure there's too many options that we can. So, Tom, who who stood out for you there? We've talked about what maybe wasn't right or wasn't working and players that didn't do what, very well. Who stood out for you as being the, the main man or your man of the match, shall we say? Um, I chose my man of the match as Berger. I think he was solid again. He, he had one or two misplaced passes, but he was just the main man in the middle once again. Um, Gooch was a close second I thought Gooch was very good considering he's on the left as well I mean he's he's a natural right winger playing left back and he looked really really good um, I thought Will Mottomose was solid again I've, I've got no issues with the defence I don't Levis is not a right back in my opinion um, he gives it his all like you can't doubt him for trying um, but you know he just got caught out a bit too many times which shows he's not naturally a right back Um 
And then I'd say Haksabanovic looks great when he came on. Um, he's the only player on the pitch for the whole game who actually tried and looked like he could take a player on. Um, and then Junior as well. I thought Junior looked solid. Um, yeah, pace, power. Uh, he did a cracking tackle. Uh, and then obviously he did that cross where Haksabanovic, I think it was on the end of it, who just fluffed it a little. Oh, no, sorry. I think it was a good challenge, actually. Um, but yeah, Chamadeo looked good. And if you were to change one thing, I mean, I'll I'll let you go in a second, Tom. But uh, if you were to change one thing going into the Huddersfield game, uh, what would what would you change? Oh, it pains me to say it because I love him, but Wes, I, I just I, when, we just don't know how we're going to score when he's the nine. Um, nothing of his his fault. I think others just aren't kind of reading his hold up play and how he plays. Um, so it's kind of a boot it up to Wes, he brings it down, he's got no options, we lose the ball, that's what it kind of felt like. Um, and then I would just say as well, I think if you're going to play Berger and Pearson, I wouldn't have Loren as the third man, just because I think you need that You need that 10 when you've got two holding midfielders there. Um, okay. So I'd, I'd DJ or Bay. I think DJ got a bit of slate today as well, but I thought he changed the game when he came on, I thought he looked good. Um, but maybe my eyes perceive me. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, think, I think DJ's been unlucky. I think he's been a really good player since he's since he's come. To be honest, so wouldn't necessarily be against that. I mean, I'll give you the obviously this man of the match results here are very um, uh, in their infancy, shall we say? You know, just a few hours post kick post um, the match. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's very interesting off what you just said about your man of the match because in our poll, uh, Waterberger, forty nine percent of the votes. Uh, Lyndon Gooch in second uh, with 27% of the vote. Um, and then obviously you've got Josh Loren is in third with 8%. Uh, Mark Travers got 5%. Uh, Larice got 3%. As did Wilmot Johnson, Haxabanovich. Um So yeah, it's, uh, like I say, it's interesting that obviously you picked out Big as your man of the match with Gooch second. And that's exactly how the uh, polls got itself. Yeah, I, to be honest, I don't think they put a foot long. Um... Like I say, I think Berger, he just looks, he's just quality. He, he does them little little things like he'll do a quick turn and all of a sudden half of the Norwich side roll to the picture because they're running down the way he was facing. Um, it was just little things. And Gooch, I mean, he doesn't stop running for one. Um, and obviously you can kind of tell he is an actual winger because he's brilliant with his feet and he's brilliant to carry in the ball. But at the same time, he gets back and he can defend which surprised me because I thought he was going to be another wing-back, come full-back, who can get forward, who can't defend. But from what I saw today, he can do his defensive duties, no problem. Again, I was I was saying before you came on, Tom, that um, for me, I, although it's, just, it's, it's frustrating at the minute watching us when we get in the final third, that in time, these players, when they get to learn each other's game and learn what each other's going to do with the ball, what where each person's going to be making runs and how they, you know, uh, stuff like that, you know, what they what the kind of crosses they, they're better off putting in where they want the ball, then that's when the goals will start coming because you can't afford the 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 delays in in trying to work that out on the field, which is what's happening at the minute when we get in the final third. I think that sort of link up and everything is is struggling to come out. I mean, that's that's natural in a side that's got so many new signings, especially forwards. 
do you see things like Berger and you say how he's taking plays out of the game and that, that once the once the rest of the side start filtering that into their thoughts that what he's capable of doing and what he's likely to do, that we can really start taking advantage of things like that when we you know, we can make create opportunities because the forward players in front of him will react before he's done it because they know that's what's coming, whereas at the minute that's not the case. Yeah, 100%. I think today was very much a, um, a counter-attacking strategy, um, which in fairness, you know, we countered quite well. And then, like you say, as soon as you get to that final third, the players are looking around, whoever's got the ball, and there's no options. No one's making a run. Everyone's kind of looking at each other like, who should be there? Who should go? <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that will come naturally. Um, and I think Vidigal, in my, in my opinion, of kind of got a little thing there from what I've seen so far because obviously they've played a few games together now um, but I did say in a group chat on Twitter um, I think if we can get Vidigal, Mai and Haksavanovic linking together them three could be deadly because they're all kind of similar and I, I do prefer I know he hasn't scored many goals yet but Mai is that nine I think he he, he kind of get doesn't get recognised because he's not scoring goals but I think his link up play because he's doing it with his feet rather than Wes doing it out of the air I think people are reading him better um, but yeah I think it's just that final third um, as I said I'm glad you got home safely uh, no doubt we'll have you on again sometime soon um, so uh, that's the thoughts of obviously ourselves but let's catch up with Adam now from Norwich uh, no doubt he's going to be extremely pleased about the result Hello Stoke fans Adam Harvey here uh, from the Pink and Dan's kindly asked to come on and share some thoughts after the game today uh, of course a, a massive three points for us uh, really crucial that we um, sort of got a sort of response after our defeat to Rotherham before the break and I think it's one of them games where we can kind of reflect on it as a, as a sort of lucky three points in some ways. I thought first half, thought we were quite positive. Um, probably uh, the goal for for the for the break was obviously crucial to go in ahead, and I thought some of the patterns of play in the first half were quite were quite good, and we probably had the better chances. Um, although Stoke two thirty, you know, you could have equalised almost straight away with Campbell, probably one of them where if he hits the target, he scores. But second half, quite a clear drop-off from us. Um, and I thought the pressure that you guys are putting us under, um, you know, I think with anyone with a bit more of a clinical edge maybe or a little bit more cohesion as a team probably knows how to, to sort of find the find the areas where you could obviously have uh, got some joy and hope for us. I suppose in reflection, probably scored the goal you needed to... to get yourselves back in the game but I thought Alex Neal after the game probably was fairly spot on in his reflection in that um, you know you played well but it's one of them where he'd rather you play badly and get the three points and on the road I don't think you've scored yet on the road that's clearly got to be a concern to Stoke fans and to Alex Neal um, but I thought as a whole you could see some of your new signs were, were very positive I thought Berger in midfield real unit um, someone who are defensive duo of um, Duffy and Gibson were struggling to deal with at points and um, some of the players in your attacking areas were, were quite positive um, I thought your right back Larice, he was really really struggling um, Jonathan Rowe was was causing them havoc all day and I thought the minute they you took him off you actually looked a better side so 
Yeah, from us, it's, it's another big three points. We've got Leicester during the week, which, you know, after their, their really good performance the other night against Southampton, uh, that's going to be a, a really difficult test. So I think to get the three points today probably settles the nerves a little bit um, from a Norwich League perspective ahead of that one. But, yeah, under Alistair, hopefully you guys can, you know, pick up some some really important results in the upcoming weeks. Because you're definitely, you know, a good side. Um, you know, you're still missing a few key players today. So I imagine that, you know, in the coming weeks of when them players get back that, that could be key but um, best of luck for, for the rest of the season until we meet at the uh, Bet365 and then of course I'd be hoping for a Norwich City win so thanks for having me on um, and yeah massive three points today Thanks Adam appreciate the thoughts as always mate no doubt we will see you on the uh, the reverse fixture uh, interesting you thought that we well basically you got a lucky three points and uh, highlighted our lack of clinical edge I think most people would probably agree that three points may be slightly flattered, but um, look, you know, not not bad at all. You're still on a good run. Now, uh, just to kind of finish up the Norwich section, we've talked a lot. We've had a number of comments coming through uh, from Twitter. I can't go through them all, but just to highlight uh, about five or six. Uh, so Lyndon said that we need a leader on the pitch and Campbell isn't good enough. SCFC underscore Ben says uh, we need to start Haxabanovic. Uh, Larice was poor. We need Stevens back. Uh, sadly, Ben, I don't think he's going to be back for a couple of weeks. Uh, John said uh, nothing's changed. Tarris is still tossed and Wesley hasn't got a clue. Uh, don't hold back, John, whatever you say. Um, Wayne says uh, bench Wesley. Uh, John Oldfield says sorry, uh, Dan, but Tyrese needs dropping. He isn't the sole problem, but he's not offered anything a couple of times, and it looks behind everybody else. Uh, Brandon says the same crap as the last two away games. Uh, the players don't fancy it at all. If we lose to Huddersfield, then serious questions need asking. And finally, uh, Dan Burgess wants Wesley on the bench as he doesn't see what he brings to the team either. So um, some strong comments. I'll let everybody stew on for a few seconds. Uh, But that pretty much ties up Norwich. Let's look ahead to Wednesday's game versus Huddersfield. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Okay, so uh, not much time for obviously the, the lads to, of course, rest, but on Wednesday we head to Huddersfield. Now, um, prior to today's win over Rotherham, they actually had uh, basically lost all of their home games uh, by the looks of things. So at least that's one little record that Charity SCFC can't uh, kind of go and upset the apple cart, if you like. Now, Dan, before we get into this one, a little bit of audio that no doubt by the time this goes out, people would have heard. But Neil Warnock had a uh, thing or two to say tonight. Will you be here for the Stoke game on Wednesday? Of course I will. I want to win. I want to beat Stoke more than anything. You know, uh, there's certain elements about Stoke that I'd like to beat, if I'm honest. And, uh, 
I'll tell you when I've retired. So, yeah, um, I'm not quite sure what he's got against Stoke, Dan, but uh, not very pleasant words from uh, Mr Warnock there. Yeah, well, I mean, for, for a man who was was involved in the Battle of Bramall Lane, he can't see him being whinging about physical, uh, her physical style, can you? Um, so maybe it's, I can't imagine it's that along standing the you know hatred of of us from p- previous managers, shall we say, previous time gone by, uh, when we were more, slightly uh, agricultural in our approach, maybe. Uh, I think what it could be. Is he? Uh, do you remember during the uh, the lockdown season when there was no fans there? Do you remember him moaning that he had oh. to get chased in a porter cabin? Yeah. It's to do with that. He still bears a grudge three years later that he had to get changed in a porter cabin. It was a bit leaky and not not uh, not the uh, not the Ritz. <laughs> well, it needs to grow up a little bit if that's the case. Um, but you know what? It makes it a little bit more tasty. I mean, I used to love us being hated by managers and being hated by other opposition fans. To be honest with you, it's it kind of spurs everybody on, and there's nothing more that you know that I'd like than us to uh, go and hammer them. That sounds quite familiar, don't you think? Uh, for a manager who got his back up, uh, most people know what that that refers to. I think. Um, you know, <laughs> you, 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 know know that, you? You, you do know what you have to die to get three points. You have to, you do to die to get three points. <laughs> <laughs> very, very true. Now, um, Dan, I'll let you come to your stats in a minute, and I promise I'm not going to uh, steal that section for you. But, um, yeah, Hud- Huddersfield have played uh, six games now. They've won two, drawn one, and lost three. Now, they've actually got a minus four goal difference um, as well, so uh, not great. Now, obviously, they beat Rotherham 2-0 on Saturday with goals from Coroma and Thomas. Now, when I was looking at the, the kind of typical formations and the way that they were going to play, uh, it sounds like Coroma and Thomas uh, on either side have kind of got a really good partnership. So I think, you know, them having back-to-back wins, obviously today against Rotherham, and then, of course, the West Brom game, which West Brom look a mess right now. Uh, but, you know, obviously beating them away as well. I really just hope that we haven't managed to get some good form together because um, it would not be uh, the nice time for uh, for us to go and help contribute to a hat-trick of victories for them anyway. So not ideal. Um now, formation-wise, they do play a 4-2-3-1 by the looks of it, and also like a 3-5-2. They tend to mix it up a little bit. Um, I-, I wanted to ask you, Dan, I mean, th- this obviously won't be a walk in the park, but if we think about kind of obviously formation-wise, and, and obviously if, they, if they're going to go for, say, a 4-2-3-1, obviously it very much kind of packs the midfield. Um, now, I'm going to say this, I don't like us playing this way, and I don't think we're at our best. But as a back three... Uh, potentially the way to go. And I'm saying that more so because of the five in midfield, because again, if we're going to be outplayed, do we really want a, an attacking Berger and Loren against five other midfielders? So not that I want it at all, but do you think that Alex may potentially go for packing the midfield instead? I suppose it depends if you want to worry about the opposition or dictate the play yourself. I mean, uh, what are the three in midfield? I mean, what did they play today? It was Hogg, Rudoni, and Wiles in the midfield. Um, obviously, you know, Jonathan Hogg's got a lot of experience in there. Um, was it Rudoni come from Wimbledon a couple of years ago? He played, I think he played pretty much every game for them um, since he signed. 
it's one of them. I, I man for man, if we've got our three in the midfield, you know, Ben P- would you swap Ben Pearson for Jonathan Hogg? Probably not. Would you swap Berger and Loren for Redonian Wiles? No. So if those three are going to match up with them three, you would expect Stoke to be able to get a foothold in the game. And from that, then you can sort of dictate the play. Um, what I would say is that Sorba Thomas and Josh Caroma, wing-backs, are two footballers who, going forward, can actually do some damage and actually pretty decent going forward. So what we need to do there is make sure that defensively, you know, we are pretty strong. Um, I, I, I'll be honest, I don't think forward-wise, that for me, I'm not too worried about this, the people that got up front. Um, so I don't... I don't believe that we need to worry too much about the centre halves and stuff. I think what we do need is, is to stop the, um, like I say, Thomas and Karoma. If we can keep those two quiet, I think that goes a long way towards nullifying uh, you know, massive amounts of any threat that Huddersfield can come up with. In, in, you know, from what I've seen. No, f- fair enough. Like, like I said, it's. I think those are the two players that probably um, concern me most as Karoma and Thomas. I mean, like I said, they both scored today. Uh, they both have obviously set each other up. So it shows that, you know, like a kind of, we talked about the word cohesion. Uh, it looks like they've got that and they've got a potentially good partnership there. So let's just try and keep them quiet, like you said. And I think the rest of it hopefully will be okay. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, how are these stats looking? So we have played Huddersfield 82 times, 32 wins, 27 draws, 23 defeats. At Huddersfield, we've played them on 41 occasions with 12 wins, 13 draws and 16 losses. So a lot better record than when we went to Norwich at the weekend. <laughs> uh, Alex Neal, so he's faced Neil Warnock on five occasions. He's quite victorious on four of them, losing just once. Uh, interestingly, there's never been a game between them where both teams have scored so yet again a bit like Norwich first goal could be crucial if history is a factor uh, Alex Neal also has a good record against Huddersfield he's played them on seven times he's, he's been a manager against them four wins two draws just a single defeat uh, Neil Warnock's record versus Stoke is a bit up and down 17 times he's managed against Stoke uh, which incidentally isn't even in the top 15 clubs for him that's how many games he's been a manager incredible anyway six wins six draws and five defeats for him uh, so let's hope we can make it the 666 number uh, on his final well, what looks to be his final game in charge of Huddersfield since 2007 Stoke City I've got four wins and one draw from six matches against a Neil Warnock side uh, Stokes away record well it's not very pretty is it this season as we've sort of been discussing already uh, played three lost three yet to score any single goal uh, but we have only conceded four times in them three games so you know games are tight uh, Huddersfield's home record well played three in the league won one lost two uh, 4-0 defeat at home to Norwich a 1-0 home defeat to Leicester and then a 3-2 home defeat to uh, Middlesbrough in the League Cup but last weekend they did get a 2-0 home win against Rotherham only Coventry with eight have less than Huddersfield's nine foreign players in their squad, uh, whilst nobody in the Championship has more than Stokes' 19. 
Um, so yeah, a contrast in uh, recruitment style, shall we say there. Uh, ben Pearson is one of four players in the championship on four yellow cards already after six matches, uh, whilst Huddersfield have only nine yellow cards in their entire squad this season. Uh, with Jonathan Hogg, is two yellow cards, he's the only player yet to pick up more than a single booking. Uh, Huddersfield six goals from 130 shots and Stokes five goals from 122 shots are the 21st and 23rd worst shot conversion rates in the championship this season. So yes, um, we may need a lot of efforts on goal to actually see some goals, <laughs> it appears. Now, on this day, it's actually really quite surprising. So Wednesday the 20th of September, Dennis Violet, 1933, John Mahoney, 1946, and Alan Dodd, 1953, all born on those days. So, on this day, sorry, so yeah, 20th of September was the birthday for all three of those players who obviously played for Stoke through the 60s and 70s. Um, so, I imagine there was uh, plenty of cakes going around the dressing room come 20th of September, wasn't there? So, quite interesting. Paul, thank you very much, mate. Um, and how are we looking from a referee standpoint? So the referee is Darren Bond. So this season he has ref three matches. Uh, he's given out 10 yellow cards, one red, and awarded two penalties. Uh, in his career, though, he's ref 230 matches, including 213 at championship level. Uh, home wins, 43.9% of their matches have been won at home. 27% of matches have been away wins, and 29.1% have been draws. Uh, last season, he ref Stokes' 0-0 draw with Birmingham and their 1-0 uh, FA Cup loss at home to Brighton. Um, so yeah, I can't remember too much going on in those matches. Uh, overall, he's ref Stoke on 11 occasions. We've had three wins, two draws, six defeats. Away from home, he's ref us on eight occasions. We've lost five times with just a single victory. And overall, in those 11 matches as well, we've had 21 yellows and no reds. Huddersfield last season, he ref them twice. A 1-0 uh, league defeat away at Sheffield United and a 2-0 defeat away at Bristol City. Overall, he's ref them on 12 occasions, four wins for them, five draws and three defeats. When Huddersfield have been at home, he's ref them seven times, four wins, two draws and just a single defeat. Uh, in the 12 matches he's ref them, they've had 20 yellow cards and no reds. Yeah, another crap referee. Fantastic. Just what we need. <laughs> standard, standard at this point, mate. There is nothing else. <laughs> standard game of blue and white shirt quickly. Um, <laughs> yes, anyway. Well, I mean, records are made, are made to be broken and obviously a horrible record that we don't want is not winning away from home uh, again and obviously not going and not actually scoring a goal because I'm going to be there on Wednesday night as will my son for his first away game. Uh, so yeah, we'd better at least do something to make him want to come back because he has. It's fair. He has enjoyed a pretty decent season so far. He's been at the six-one, the four-one, and the Watford win. Um, so he's not doing too bad as a Stoke fan as an early career. Um, but yeah, I definitely want to see a win now. Dan, I'll let you uh, have a think about your team, but I, I've got my team here actually, and I'll be honest with you, I've I've really struggled up front because. Part of me wants to rest Tyrese, if I'm honest with you, uh, but I'm, I can't do that because I haven't got the players fit. So, starting in goal, obviously, Travers, I was relieved to see him back uh, against Norwich, I'm going to be honest. Um, but yeah, back four is right back is Junior, 
We're going to have Wilmot and McNally in the centre-back position, although I would be open to uh, Rose, to be honest with you. Rose did nothing really wrong today. Um, and then we've got Lyndon Gooch at uh, left-back. I'm going to keep him in that particular spot. And the midfield, uh, I'm actually going to change this up a little bit. Now, Pearson obviously keeps his place. Berger keeps his place as well. And I was thinking, you know, again, that midfield engine uh, that I think we're going to need in this one. Um, I'm even going to be putting Johnson in instead of Loren. Maybe a little bit controversial, that one. Um, but I just, and also, is he going to drop his captain? Probably not. Uh, but I just think that maybe Johnson can give us that engine as well. Um, so I wouldn't be... if opposed to that happening and then my front three we've got Juno on the left I still want to give him a chance Haksabadovic on the right and Tyrese Campbell in the middle which I know is not necessarily his strongest uh, front really but again we're, we're a bit limited up front um, I want to see Haksabadovic I think Juno as I said needs a chance and I don't want to see Wesley up front there so um, I think Tyrese should go in the middle and that will really put that comment you know to the test if he's not going to run around he's going to have to do that in the middle if he's not going to do that then he should be probably dropped for the next match uh what team are you going for um needless to say travis is in goal i'm going to stick it with you same back four as yourself um i think uh you got junior and gooch uh, Wilmot plus A, another, I don't mind whether it's Rose or McNally. Um, I don't think that Rose, I don't think McNally did that m- much wrong, to be honest. I know you, you yourself think he maybe had a few poor games. I think he's he's a decent defender. I'd, I'd like to think that would be the first choice partnership over time, McNally and Wilmot. Um, so if given the choice, I'd probably bring him in, back in there. Because we're just saying about the wide options, I think that Haksabanovic on the left and Larice on the right, purely because I think that he can um, drop in and help Chamadu. Uh, it's just obviously keeping, um, like I say, and then Haksabanovic can help with uh, Gooch as well. Just get the um, Silver Thomas and Josh Kramer quiet. Like I say, that's then that's the the key there. Uh, to me, I've got Pearson in the middle. I think if, if Neil Warnock is going to produce a Neil Warnock side, which, again, it looks like it might possibly be final match there before he moves on. Um, so if that is the case, the, the player's going to be up for it, aren't they? He's a, he's a master at motivating sides. He'll want to go out on a win. The players will want to win. It's going to be a battle, and you're going to need a midfield ready to battle. And for me, that's going to include, uh, got to include Ben Pearson. I think, for me, I think it's probably more Josh Loren just because of that. I think he's going to be more um, down to sort of get stuck in and stuff more, maybe a bit, a little bit more than Daniel Johnson would. So I'll keep with him and then Berger as well. So keep the midfield as it has been. Um, now, who do you go down the middle? I just, you do wonder whether it's the game to put Campbell down the middle. I wonder whether it's a bit too physical for him and I think I said earlier on that this actual game may suit suit a Wesley where he can let you bring others into the game um, he, he can sort of give you that option of just just holding the play and letting you get, gain some territory and, and move the ball forward uh, so move, move your defence forward and your midfield forward so I'm going to leave Wesley in just, just where I think he is suited to this game 
Uh, if we're playing very, you know, a number of other sides, I'd have dropped him, but I think he may, this may be where we get the best out of having a game like this. So, we, yeah, front three, Luis on the right, Haxamanovic on the left, and it will be Wesley in the middle for me. Okay. Well, if we do play uh, Wesley, then we need to get closer. We need to get closer to him, or else it's just going to keep coming back at us. Uh, that's, that's my only concern with that. Um, score prediction-wise, now, if I remember rightly, I think Mr. Graham McGarry went 1-0 to Norwich, I think. Um, I, I have to look back, but I'm sure you've got it somewhere. Uh, so, yeah. I, he went 2-0 Did he go 2-0? That's a relief. So he got the result right, but uh, I think I went 1-1. I'll hold my hands up. I know it wasn't officially on the pod because I wasn't on the last one, but I did go 1-1, so I admittedly admit that I got nothing. You went for a loss as well, didn't you, Dan? I did. I said 2-1 to Norwich, and Ben said 2-0 to Norwich. Okay, so no one got the actual scoreline right, but you got the result right. So, okay, um, this one. Oh, I'm going to go for a Stoke 1-0 win. I think we're going to steal it late on. It's going to be a very, very tight game, and it'll either be a penalty or a last-minute winner, uh, one or the other, I think. What are you going for? I think that Neil Warnock is going to bow out Possibly his bow to his career, you know, he is he only come out of retirement to his job in the controversy that he would love and adore. Um, I think there's going to be red cards. I think the, they're going to go out there. I think somebody like Berger with a bit of and Haksimanovic with good technique, or whatever, and they're going to they're going to um, incite a few fouls. The ref's going to get him get his cards out. It's going to be a Huddersfield player sent off before half-time, and I think that helps us go to a 3-1 win. And I also think that then Neil Warnock can go into full rant mode, can't he, during the <laughs> go-out as he wants. So we're going from not scoring a single goal away from home to scoring three? Well, that's how it okay. goes. <laughs> okay, okay, fair enough. Um few bits of audio to uh, kind of help close out the pod for this week. So we've got Mr. Graham McGarry, like I mentioned, uh, back very much with obviously his predictions. Uh, no doubt he's gone for a, a positive Stoke result, I hope. He's not allowed to back uh, against Stoke two weeks in a row. That's absolutely not allowed. Um, and then, of course, we have Matt from uh, the Huddersfield uh, town side of things as well. Uh, interesting to see what he has to say about this particular one. I think he's going to be feeling, again, quite confident after back-to-back wins. Hello Stokies, this is Matt from the Andy Takes That Chance podcast covering all things Huddersfield Town and what a strange time it is to be a Huddersfield Town fan. After a difficult start where we played really well against Plymouth, Leicester and Norwich but ultimately lost all three games, we've started to find our feet and we've won two games in a row and deservedly so against West Brom and Rotherham. In in truth, the 2-0 win today against Rotherham really should have been 5 or 6 but our inability to sign a striker in the transfer window means that we do tend to score far less than we should and potentially it could bite us in the backside uh, down the road. Uh, The plot line for the game against Stoke should be a recovering Huddersfield Town looking to push up the table, but alas, things are never straightforward these days in HD1. As soon as you think you're on sound footing, someone pulls the rug from underneath you. And if we're going down the Aladdin analogy route here, the genie in the lamp, Neil Warnock, sounds like he's about to leave the club on Monday. Uh, if this happens, it'll be it'll be a bitter blow for everyone at the club. Uh, Neil Warnock's really popular. He fits Huddersfield Town like a hand in a glove. 
uh, and really Neil Warnock and Huddersfield are sort of made for each other. Um, but rumours indicate that his last game will be against Stoke on Wednesday. Uh, I'll just pause there because and just reiterate these are currently rumours, not fact, but we will find out a little bit more from his press conference on uh, on Monday. So there's one due at 1pm on Monday. Uh, and fingers crossed he's, n- he's not going to leave the club, but it's not looking fantastic at the moment. If it is the great man's final hurrah, then hopefully we can go out with a bit of a bang. He's set up today in a 4-2-4 against Rotherham, a real relic, a throwback of a system, if you like. Not really seen uh, for quite a while, but um, although I don't think he'd do the same against Stoke, uh, Warnock does tend to prefer a 4-2-3-1 or a 3-5-2. In terms of team news, Danny Ward, our only recognised senior striker, is injured, and you just knew that would happen as soon as the window shuts and we failed to sign a striker. Uh, and Jonathan Hogg limped off today as well, and he's been really key lately for us, but hopefully Hoggy's not too uh, too seriously injured, but he is a bit of a linchpin at the moment in defensive midfield. Uh, I suspect we'll go with a back four. I'll be surprised uh, if he does go 4-2-4 again, but you know, it, if it's his final swan song, then he might just think, sack it, why not go out all guns blazing? And I kind of hope he does as well. Um a win would be massive for us. I'm already delighted that we're five points off the bottom three. I know it seems really daft to be looking at that already, but um, it's it's we are a club this season in transition, so we you know going down would be pretty disastrous for us, I think. But um, coming to you guys, Stoke, I think you're a decent outfit. I know you've you've only won two uh, two out of six so far, but I do think once you lot get going, you'll be a decent team and you'll be pretty difficult to stop. Um, just from our perspective I hope that doesn't start this Wednesday but as always uh, best of luck to you guys got a soft spot for Stoke um, and we'll see you at the game on Wednesday Hello there you Potter's predictors once again another midweek fixture this time coming up against Huddersfield Town could be an interesting time of course who knows who's going to be in charge of Huddersfield Town when the Potters play them obviously Neil Warnock's future is in doubt but it doesn't matter it's about time to get back on winning ways so decent performance down at Norwich it was always going to be a hard game but no points and no goals so Alex Neal will have a, a few days to think about what team he selects and the one that he selects hopefully will will produce the goods and get Stoke City getting some points on the board and moving up the championship table. Tricky game though, Huddersfield started very slowly but have just hit a little bit of form and I'm going to go for a draw. 1-1, Huddersfield 1, Stoke 1. Lovely, thank you very much boys, appreciate it. Um, So, yeah, Dan, going to be an interesting game. I think we've well, you've gone for a 3-1, I've gone for a 1-0. We've clearly got different versions of what how we think this one's going to play out. Is there anything else that you wanted to add into the game before we uh, we finish up? No, I think, it, especially come the end of the season, this is actually one of the first away games we've had where we will really, if you want to be taken against the top six, then you should really be looking to win these games. I think Millwall's a notoriously difficult place to go. Ipswich is going to be a place difficult trip for anyone this season, especially the first game as it was for us, you know, the first home game for them this this season. Um, Norwich, there's not going to be many people getting points from there. This is the first away game where we really 
like I say, if we've got any intention of going up, we if we don't get three points here, we will be looking at it as dropped points for me. Yeah, yeah, no, no, um, no, no, no arguments from from me on that one. To be honest with you, Dan, I think we we need to get something out of the next couple of games. You know, Huddersfield not going to be easy, but I think as you've just pointed out, we need to win. We've then obviously got it home to Hull on Sunday, um, as well, which obviously the pod will be back as normal on Friday for that one. We'll pretend the. Bournemouth loss in the cup uh, doesn't exist but then you know if you look at October we've got Southampton Leicester Sunderland Leeds Middlesbrough Cardiff Coventry I mean Christ that is one hell of a run of games so we we can't we can't lose the next two games because I think the knives will definitely be out and who knows maybe we'll do a typical Stoke and go and win you know five out of them games something stupid but um, yeah I would not be wanting to go into those games in the bottom well, let's face it, the bottom four positions, which is where we will be. So, um, anyway, as I said, everybody, we'll be back as usual on Friday uh, to obviously preview uh, the whole City game. We would have seen us get three points against Huddersfield, and we will see you all next Friday. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around, to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.